If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to pick up where Rob left off last week. We, we, we're in a journey through the book of, of Colossians. It's Paul's letter to the Colossians. And, and if you're just joining us, whether you, you just started following us uh, via you know, Facebook, our Facebook page, or whatever the case may be, this has been rich. It has been rich. And so um, I encourage you to, to go back and revisit the entire series. Shh. Go back and revisit the, the entire series uh, so that you can grab the full context of what Paul is trying to write here as, as we are laying it out week by week through this book. I want you to, to uh, mark your place at the 16th verse of chapter 2. I'm going to do something today that I've, I don't very, I very rarely do this. And if you've been around me for any period of time, you know I'm an I'm a ESV guy. I love the English Standard Version. I'm, I've been, I love the King James Version. That's, that's my roots. But man, I love the ESV for its clarity and applicability and readability. I love it. But today I'm going to read out of a different translation. And I chose this translation because I believe that it best depicts what the Apostle Paul was trying to write and trying to get over to us as he wrote this letter to the, to the church in Colossae and then subsequently, ultimately, to us. Verse 16, are you there, chapter 2? One person is. Everybody else there? Yeah. All right. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Nate's got it up on the screen. So you can follow along with me if you choose to cross-reference both your text that you're reading, and then the one out of the NLT. Paul writes, Do not let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying we have visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teaching about the things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion and pious self-denial and Severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. May the Lord add a blessing to the reader and the hearer of his word. I chose for a title today based on this text, The Gold Standard. The Gold Standard. I tip my hand a little bit with this because... Um, I want you to know that regardless of what you've heard or what you've seen, that the gold standard has been, is, and will forever be Christ 
when it comes to our relationship to God. When it comes to our identity as followers of Jesus Christ, the gold standard through which we live our lives is Christ. Amen? Amen. What is the gold standard? There's so many different definitions of the gold standard that go all the way back to when this country was first formed. But I want to give you a couple definitions. The Webster, Merriam-Webster, defines the gold standard is something that is considered the best and is used to measure the quality or level of similar things. The Collins English Dictionary defines the gold standard as the supreme example of something against which others are judged or measured. The gold standard. I first heard about the gold standard in my job prior to this one as a pharmaceutical rep for a large company. Um, I was the Similac rep. I, I studied infant nutrition um, and, and was really, I really, really enjoyed it. Infant nutrition is fascinating. But what I found as I studied infant nutrition is that, is that even though I felt like the company that I worked for had the best infant formula, infant formula, everybody say formula, the gold standard for infant nutrition has always been, is still today, and will forever be breast milk. It is the gold standard. And if you look at any, any viable company that is into infant nutrition, on their label, they'll say things like, like breast milk, performs like breast milk. Similar in nutritional value to breast milk. Gives the, the, the benefit of breast milk. You guys with me? Why? Because it is the gold standard of infant nutrition. There are all these companies out there that make the claim to be just like the gold standard. Similac, Infamil, Carnation, Nature's One. Uh, Gerber. There are so many other companies out there that stake their claim to fame that they have great nutritional value, but they all measure themselves against the gold standard. When it comes to our relationship, our Christian walk, the gold standard is Jesus Christ. And everything that we experience in this Christian walk and even the opposition that we experience in this Christian walk must be measured against Christ. All right. That said, our passage, our passage today begins with the word so. Paul says so. There are many uh, interpretations or translations of, of, of this verse that begin with the word therefore. And what I've learned, I'm going to sit down for a little bit. What I've learned is when therefore is there, you got to see what therefore is there for, right? Therefore is there because Paul is, is addressing the practical outworkings or the practical outcomes of this deceptive theological philosophy that had crept into the church at Colossae. And in verse, in chapter 2 and verse 8, Paul says this. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy 
and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Everybody say Christ. Christ. Here's the truth. There are many teachings out there today that seem really, really spiritual, deep teachings. But the reality is that these teachings, if they're not centered and grounded in Christ as the standard, will take you away from the standard, which is Christ. And so from our text today, we have four concerns that the Apostle Paul was dealing with with the church of Colossus. And these same three or these same four concerns are relevant for us today. They still remain a battlefield that we have to fight through even today. So I'm going to give you ways to identify, three ways to identify false teachings and how to measure them against the standard of the truth that's found in God's word in Christ Jesus. I'm going to give you three. So you're going to be better equipped, I believe, when you walk out of here to recognize false teaching to be able to combat false teaching. Here's the first. Jesus Christ must be the reality or the substance of who we are. He must be. The Apostle Paul gives a stern warning in verse 16. He says, do not let anyone condemn you. The word condemn here comes from a a Greek word that means to umpire, to pass judgment. And so what I believe the Apostle Paul is saying here, family, is that do not allow yourself to fall into condemnation because of someone else's judgment of you. And here's what's true. You can't control someone's attitudes or philosophies or judgments. But how you respond to a person's attitude or actions or judgment or philosophy is up to you. And that's what Paul's real concern was here. In our text, this, this, in our text today, the substance of this false teaching was, was the ritual observance of the law. Specifically, in this first portion, dealing with diet, which is what is acceptable or unacceptable to eat or to drink, and days. Paul, Paul tells us, he gives us three, he says, religious festivals, um, new moon celebrations, and the Sabbath day. And what had happened is these false teachers, and Rob said this last week, I want to reemphasize, these false teachers had crept into the church, and they tried to make the believers at Colossus feel inferior for not embracing their teaching that was going to take them away from what they had learned about Christ. So on the subject of diet, I don't think that, I don't think that the word of God could be more clear than what Jesus said to us about diet in Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 15, look it up later. Jesus says, when it comes to diet, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of a man that defiles him. Pretty clear, isn't it? And then on the subject of days, 
And, and, and this was, you know, the Jewish concern over these special days rose out of the Old Testament law uh, where certain religious days were being observed for certain reasons and certain rituals and practices were being, being, uh, being observed for certain reasons. And here's what I want you to hear. God used these observances and practices. Listen now, listen, because there wasn't, there wasn't Christianity at the time. God used these observances and practices to create a nation to himself with a theological consciousness that they would use every day that would set them distinctively apart from the rest of the world. God wanted to distinctively define and identify the nation of Israel as his chosen people. And so what Paul was stressing here in this passage here to the Colossians, he says, listen, you're free from the restrictions of the Old Testament law. You're no longer obligated to the Jewish Sabbath now that Christ has come. Because Christ has come, you are no longer defined by keeping the law. You are now identified by your relationship with him. Hmm. We're no longer defined by keeping the law. We are now identified by our relationship with him. Wow. But let me be clear here on something because I, I think... I, with all the, these doctrines of, of um, I don't need to go to church to be saved. I don't need to have friends that are followers of Jesus Christ to be saved. The Bible says work out your own salvation. How many of you heard those things? Yeah. yeah. And, it, and from appearance, it could seem like Paul was, was talking about not being linked with a body of believers. But let me be clear, he's not dismissing the principle of, of setting aside a day to where you can be alone with God and in a day where you can be with other followers of Christ. He's not doing that. Instead, what he's doing is he's reinforcing the fact that Christ has come to set us free from the law as a way of identity and salvation. That's what he was doing. And, and to do that, Paul says, listen, he says, these things that you found your identity in before are merely a shadow of things to come. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's an interesting statement. Listen what the Lord gave me. A shadow is a thing that relates to a thing, but it's not the thing. <laughs> A shadow of a substance only vaguely resembles its substance, but it's not the substance itself. No one in their right mind should prefer the shadow of a substance to the substance. Where's my shadow at? Okay. Thanks, Khalil. Can it, I know you guys can't see my shadow. I think I'm going to step up here. Can you all see my shadow if I stand up here? Okay. Now, that shadow is a mere reflection of me. Right? Now, I've seen some creepy movies. You know those movies where, you know, all of a sudden the shadow starts moving independent of the substance? 
I guarantee you right now, if my shadow started moving independent of me, all y'all would be running out of here. Right? Right? Because the shadow, listen, the shadow is never more important, nor does it hold more value than the substance of which it is reflecting. Right? In Christ, the greater than the shadow has come. Life in Christ, life in Christ, life in Christ is our reality. Christ is our substance. You guys getting this? So that's the first way to guard against any doctrine or philosophy that would take you away from the real. (laughs) Is, Is Christ the substance of the teaching? Here's the second. Is Christ is our standard. He's the gold standard. Again, right here in verse 18, Paul issues this stern warning. He says, don't let anyone condemn you. Don't let anyone condemn you or pass judgment on you. And then he gives us three things here. He talks about asceticism. I've, I've, I've termed it denial. Because asceticism really is pious denial. Asceticism deals with both, it deals with the spirituality of a person and aspiring to become more spiritual by the things that you do. It's a commitment to what is perceived as a higher form of worship and a spirituality. But to affect it, a person has to take significant steps and sometimes it required Severe punishment to the flesh. And so these false teachers had crept into the church and they devoted themselves to the torture of their flesh. And they were trying to get others to devote themselves to the torture of their flesh, hoping to produce in them and others a high spiritual state of awareness. And so they taught that through these practices, the mind and the spirit could be sensitized to a higher spiritual reality. That was 2,000 years ago. I don't want to alarm you, but there are many occult practices today that still believe that and practice it on a regular basis. And I don't want to alarm you with this, but I want to make you aware. They are so firm in their commitment to their beliefs that often they can be stronger and more powerful in their beliefs than we are in our own. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying they have more power. (laughs) The greater one lives on the inside of us. But through their practice of wanting to become more spiritual and giving up. Oh, see, now I understand. Now I understand. See, remember earlier when I was saying that God doesn't want half-hearted praise? That God doesn't want half-hearted worship? Here's the challenge. God wants all of us. Everybody say all. All. God wants all of us because there there are spiritual 
religions out there right now that people are devoting all of themselves to. Okay, okay. There is not a demon on earth that a power that that a disciple of Jesus Christ doesn't have power over. But if you are not walking in the power that you have, I would strongly advise you not to go messing with demonic forces. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all. Everybody say all. All. With all of your heart. With all. Everybody say all. All. With all of your soul. With with all your strength. Everybody say all. All. All is the inclusion of everything and the exclusion of nothing. Oh, and here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. This might seem like challenge, and it is. It's challenge. But listen, it's an invitation first. Come to me, all you are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's an invitation to come be with Jesus. Come be in relationship. Come learn who I am and how I operate. And then he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Right? So it's high invitation to to rich, meaningful, authentic, precious, intimate covenant relationship with Jesus so that in that covenant relationship and through that covenant relationship, we can be, man, we can have the power to, 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 to put the enemy to flight. What I said earlier, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. That's what God wants from us. Listen, that's what God wants for us. And it's available to each of us. Are you willing to pursue it? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to get off of it. I think it grieves the Spirit of God when demonic forces are allowed to wreak havoc in environments where the children of God reside. I do. Because that's not God's best for us. There's more. Hmm. Okay, deities. The second thing that the Apostle Paul hears today. Deities. Man, Rob, listen, here's what I'll say. If you haven't, where's the camera? If you haven't listened to Rob's message last week, you need to go back and listen to it because the brother broke down the worship of angels, and I'm not going to do it today. I want you to go back and listen to it. Everybody say amen. 
I will say this, though. The worship of deities was the, was the worship of the imploring of angels. These false teachers had crept into the church, and they were trying to establish a mediary between God and man. That in order to reach the Father, we need to go through, or it was best to go through the practice of worshiping our consoling angels. Consorting angels. That's it, right? Consulting angels, that's what I meant to say. Here's what Jesus said about that. I'm going to reference this again. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one can get to the Father except through me. I am the gold standard, period. Yes? Okay. Divine, the, the divine visions and dreams. There are those who, who, who could attain higher levels of spirituality that they felt than that when, if they actually attained these higher levels of spirituality, that they were superior to others. I never will forget, my mom called me one day. She said, Greg, I, I really want you to meet this woman because she's, and this is, this is the word she used, she's kind of unruly. She doesn't like to listen to people. Now, she was under the authority of my father, but she didn't like to listen. Here's why. Because she had the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy had caused her head to be puffed up. And so when I met this woman and I was, I was talking to her and then the Holy Spirit said, just, just listen. I said, tell me about your gift. She said, well, the first thing I want you to know is that people don't understand my gift because I'm deeper spiritually than others. And because, I'm, because God has given me this gift and, and people don't understand me, it makes me superior in the spirit realm to others who don't have the gift. It's true, man. Let me tell you what I said to her. Y'all want to know what I said to her? I said, no, it does not. No, it does not. As a matter of fact, family, listen, when we stand before God, we are not going to be judged on the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to be judged by the fruit of the Spirit. So, where's your love? Where's your joy? Where's your peace? Where's your patience? Where's your temperance? Where's your meekness? Where's your goodness? And where's your long-suffering? Where's your self-control? Okay, let me move on. Listen, everybody say, and such were some of you. Okay, look at the person say, and say, you was like that one day. Look, nobody's looking. Nobody's looking at the other person. Turn to the person next to him and say, you used to be like that. <laughs> Man, okay, let me keep going. Hmm. Hmm. 
My Bible teaches me that we're all one in Christ Jesus. So Galatians tells me, Galatians 3 and 28, Bible also tells me that, listen, man, God has no respect of persons. Yeah? Oh, man. Let me keep moving. You want me to say that, Lord? Okay, I'm just going to hit this real quick and I'm going to quit it. Family, be careful of people who always have new revelations by running from place to place to place to get to the hot points of worship and all they're getting is You guys know what I mean when I say, okay, when I say, I mean, they're just all excited. All they get is worship, man. It's just worship, worship. Where's the next hot thing? And there's there's no roots being planted deep. Because let me say, I said it once, I'll say it again. Man, I know I'm on a, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this. None of these things are in my notes, at least some of them not. But listen. Listen, I do not believe that a follower of Jesus Christ can grow roots, not deep roots, outside of relationship with other followers of Jesus Christ in the church. When the scripture says iron sharpens iron, that's not always pleasant. And if you have a person that is running from pleasant experience to pleasant experience to pleasant experience, never growing any roots. I'm just saying. Hmm. Okay. Y'all still love me? In verse 19, Paul mixes, he uses medical terminology to explain the seriousness of being severed from the body, the head being severed from the body. See, just like the the body cannot survive without the head, it can't grow without the head. Whatever true growth we experience will be because of our connection to the head, which is Jesus. Yeah, let me make this. Oh, and then, and then he goes on to say, he says, these people who are going from place to place are not connected to Christ, who's the head of the body, for he's the one that holds the whole body together with his joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. It is impossible to grow as Christians if Christ, the head, is not the standard for our growth. Okay, here's my final point. Christ is our salvation. Verse 20 says, because you have died with Christ, he has set you free from the spiritual powers of the world. And I'm adding this with this wisdom and practices that only address a person's environment, but never the matters of the heart. And therefore, because they do not deeply address the matters of the heart, 
It cannot permanently change a person. And it leaves that person yielding to the desires of the flesh. Hmm. The only way that we can stay and step with the Spirit of God is to walk in the Spirit. That is the only way that we're going to be able to conquer the flesh. Paul writes to us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Deliverance from control of my flesh can only come when my life is totally surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. An eternal salvation, an eternal freedom from the bondage of sin can only be found in Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. Mitch, you can come to the piano. This is what Paul means, I believe, when, when he says in verse 22, man-made rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. How hopeless it is, how hopeless it is for us to try to base our salvation on what we do. Eating or not eating, drinking or not drinking, observing holidays or not observing holy days, doing exercises and keeping the rules. It's not about that. And yet people today will try to judge you based on their own belief systems, which, as I said earlier, some of these belief systems are whacked out. Amen. So, how do you remain free from the entrapments of false doctrines? Here's the first. And we'll talk more about the expectations of a follower of Jesus Christ outside of just the abiding relationship as we unpack the weeks ahead. Here's the first. What are the keys to remaining free from the entrapments of false doctrines? First is to know the scriptures for yourself. What I did not say is study the scriptures by yourself and get an understanding by yourself. I said to know the scriptures yourself. Make sure your relationship with Christ, the gold standard, is solid. And then be sure to consistently fellowship with other believers of like faith, with the same spiritual trajectory as you. Amen? I want to close with what to do when faced with spiritual philosophies of others. And how should you respond? Here are the questions you need to ask. How does this philosophy measure up to Christ, the gold standard? Second, is the substance of their belief founded in the teachings of Christ? Third, does their truth 
stand tall when measured against the truth of Scripture. And then fourth, does the fruit of their life match the fruit of the Spirit? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. <laughs> Thank you, word of God. For you were in the beginning. And you were with God. And you are God today. Let your word that was spoken today settle into the recesses of our hearts. Let it fall on the deep soil of our hearts and produce fruits of righteousness. Fruit of righteousness, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold to the degree that you are glorified in us. In Jesus' name.